if you want to have your house on MLS, there is an agreement about commissions that are going to be paid. They also then didn't realize that they were actually paying the commission to what was their adversary, the buyer's agent, the agent that was negotiating against them. Well, good afternoon, Slay family. I am back with a really exciting, fascinating conversation. I am so thrilled to have our guest here today. She is going to kind of tune us into some big shakeups and lawsuits that are taking place right now in the real estate industry. And I can't wait to hear her perspective. So uh, joining me today from the state of Maryland is a fantastic attorney, Danielle Dolch, who is here today. And Danielle, if you would start off, please, by just Telling everybody about your background and your area of focus as an attorney, please. Certainly. Thank you, Leanne. Um, so hi, everyone. My name is Danielle Dolch. I am a real estate attorney at the law firm Shulman Rogers in Potomac, Maryland, right outside of D.C. Um, do a variety of different uh, matters, all related to real estate. So I am a licensed title insurance producer and do a lot with title insurance and closings. Um, so handle both residential and commercial real estate transactions in the closings of those deals. And I also do quite a bit of regulatory compliance work, um, generally with real estate brokers, advising um, on licensing issues and issues related to their day-to-day -day operations. And certainly this um, topic of today's uh, talk um, fits right in with that. Um, so happy to be here chatting with you. Well, thank you. So there was recently a huge lawsuit, really different. Some people are excited about it. Some people are hating on it. Uh, I know we've got some of our listeners are familiar with it and really want to hear your perspective. And some just know that there's something going on, a buzz in the real estate world. So could you just take a minute to get everyone on the same page and maybe just outline what the premise of the in initial case is and where it all started from? Certainly. Um, so the first case that's actually gone to trial, so there's been a few cases in the works, but one has now gone to trial at the end of October, um, and it's generally referred to as the Sitzer-Burnett um, case, or the when you hear the NAR commission case, they're referring to the Sitzer-Burnett case, and Sitzer and Burnett are two of the named representatives of a class of plaintiffs, so this is a class action, um, uh, the class is comprised of um, uh, several individual, a multitude of individuals who all fit within the category um, that the name plaintiffs represent. So it's um, a bunch of sellers. So the case was filed in Missouri. So it's a bunch of sellers um, for the four year period preceding the filing of the case. And the case um, was filed in 2019, I believe. So it's, or, or the, the, the class were sellers who initially had sold homes dating back to 2019. Um, that, so again, the class of sellers um, within a specific time frame who used um, the one of the defendants named in the case as their real estate broker, their listing broker, um, and they had listed their property in one of the defendant MLS um, uh, databases for the sale of the property. So that's kind of the class, class of plaintiffs involved in that case. And what they alleged was that the National Association of Realtors had essentially 
conspired to inflate and stabilize the broker commission rates paid by sellers. So it's a, basically they were alleging a price fixing conspiracy. Um, and so how they all, the defendants all played together, the defendants were four of the largest um, brokerages in the country. So you have Remax, um, and then there's a couple of companies that have brokerages under them. Um, so a company called Anywhere Real Estate Inc. Um, and then you had Keller Williams and a company called Home Services of America. So those are the four largest brokers in the country. And so um, they, along with the, the National Association of Realtors, the allegation was basically that the National Association of Realtors promulgates various rules for the multiple listing service. Um, and then the um, multiple listing services, it can vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but um, realtor associations may own the multiple listing service, service or a group of brokers may own the multiple listing service. Um, so in any event, um, the multiple listing service, there are certain rules that the National Association of Realtors promulgates that are mandatory and have to be implemented by the multiple listing services. The brokerages may own that or they require their licensees to be a member of both the NAR and the multiple listing services. So they're all working together to kind of implement, follow and enforce these National Association NAR rules and the rule at issue um, and it kind of gets referred to by a couple of different names you might hear it as the participation rule or the cooperative compensation rule but essentially it's a mandatory rule that NAR has um, instituted that requires listing brokers to set forth a blanket uni unilateral offer of compensation to other brokers when a property is listed in the multiple listing service um, so you can't put a property into the MLS without entering in an amount of compensation that would be paid to a cooperating broker. And a cooperating broker would be someone who's representing a buyer um, in a transaction. Um, so so right just before, break that down for a second to make sure everyone's on the same page. So what they're saying is in order for someone to have their home listed, Everybody, mm -hmm. the, the allegation I would say is that everybody's in cahoots, right? <laughs> because if you want right. to get your house on MLS, MLS, if, if people are not familiar with it, that's where realtors go look at all the properties that are on the market. So if you want to have your house on MLS, there is an agreement about commissions that are going to be paid by the person who's selling their home to the selling agent and the buyer's agent. Is that a fair assumption to explain it for everyone? That's correct. Um, and so there used to be a mechanism where you could filter within the MLS and be able to show or filter so that you could have properties that were offering the highest amount of compensation to a cooperating agent first and kind of have it scale down in order to the least amount of compensation. So there were some rules that allowed some things to happen that um, arguably were not very good because um, that could result in what was called steering, where buyers agents um, might steer their buyers to properties that were offering the most amount of cooperating um, compensation 
to them, um, which would be a detriment to the buyer because there might be a property that was their dream property that fit the bill and everything they wanted that their agent might have had lower in the list or not showed them at all because of the amount of compensation that was listed for that particular property. Um, so what that kind of in turn resulted in was sort of a standard set amount percentage of the purchase price that would generally end up getting um, agreed to in a listing agreement. So um, when a seller enters into a listing agreement with a listing broker, generally speaking, there is a total amount of compensation that will be paid when the property sells. And that's generally a percentage of the, the sales price. Um, and then most listing agreements or many listing agreements will then have another paragraph or section that provides for a portion of the total compensation to be shared with a cooperating agent who represents a buyer in, in, in the transaction. Um, so you're ending up kind of seeing a fixed percentage of five or six percent in most deals. So the total would be five or 6%. Generally speaking, half of that would be go to the listing broker. The listing broker would share half of that with a cooperating broker. So therefore they'd each get either two and a half percent or maybe 3%. So what you were ending up, um, this cooperating, this participation rule or cooperate, cooperative compensation rule, there had to be an entry in the MLS of some amount um, and right before the Sitzer Burnett case went to trial, NAR actually changed the rule to provide that an entry of zero is valid and acceptable. So um, previously, you would have to at least put in a nominal amount, a penny, a dollar, that was okay, but some actual amount had to be listed in that field in the MLS when you were putting the listing into the MLS. And then right before trial, they switched, they changed that rule a little bit to provide that zero would be a valid entry. Um, but up until that point, um, you had to have something listed there. And again, the ability to filter the compensation was resulting kind of in the sellers, therefore having to be offering the higher end, the total of five or six in order to have a two and a half or 3% showing as going to the cooperating agent in order for their properties to you know, be high on the list and get the most amount of views, that sort of thing. So that was kind of this conspiracy or scheme that was, that was being alleged as inflating the amount of commission. Um, and then although listing agreements and again, it varies by jurisdiction, what sure. your agreement says. So most um, the local realtor associations promulgate kind of standard forms that get used in that jurisdiction in, in, in a typical residential transaction. Um, so most, a lot of realtor associations promulgate a listing agreement form. Um, so that will vary what it says from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but the plaintiffs also alleged that it wasn't very clear to them how this cooperation or what this cooperation was. So they also then didn't realize that they were actually paying the commission to what was their adversary, the buyer's agent, the agent that was negotiating against them. So that was part of what they're alleging as well as kind of that there was a lack of transparency and understanding that sellers were paying compensation to a buyer's agent and that was you know and how that mechanism works in the mls um so, so that was the gist of the complaint <laughs> it's a heck of a gist so you know they, they want to put their house on the market 
you know, in order to get it on MLS and and play with all the different parties at hand, they were really kind of in a position where they had to pay something to the buyer's agent. And mm-hmm. in the, as you were saying, it was filtered so that a lot of times they were worried, I'm assuming, and part of their their concern in this whole case is, well, if I don't offer a bunch of money to the buyer's agent, then I'm not going to get showings. I'm not going to get the traffic. People aren't going right. to come see my house. So they go to court and they win. So can you tell everybody a little bit about what has been the outcome of the case thus far? Yes. So um, I think it was only about a two hour deliberation by the jury. So not, you know, for a couple of weeks of trial to just have a (laughs) couple of hours of deliberation. Um, So the jury ruled in the plaintiff's favor. Now, two of the defendants um, did agree to settlements before the case went to trial. So um, the actual verdict was just against NAR and then two of the um, corporate defendant broker client, brokerage client um, defendants. Um, So the uh, jury came back with a very sizable verdict, um, $1.7 billion. um, And then this is, um, so the actual law that was underlying the complaint was the Sherman Act, which is a federal antitrust um, law that uh, prohibits unreasonable restraint in trade. And um, that statute provides for treble damages or triple damages. So um, the total, when the judge ultimately enters the decision in the case, could be triple that in the $5 billion range. Um, Billion with a B. And this is actually, so some of the other cases that are in process have larger potential verdicts. So this is actually a smaller amount in relation to um, some of the other cases in process, but um, that is the amount in this this first case that's gone to trial. Um, So the the case, this case is not even over. So aside from appeals, this particular case is not over. The judge just recently um, issued an order setting forth the timeline for post-trial motions to be filed. Um, so really, they're not anticipating the judge to actually enter it, the, the decision in, in the Sitzer Burnett case until probably the spring of 2024. Once those post-trial motion timeframes have elapsed, um, it won't be closer in t- now closer until the spring until we actually have a dis- final decision in this case and then the appeals depending on what there will be appeals for sure there will be now in the meanwhile what's been wild is as soon as the you know lead attorney on this won this case i i think it was 30 seconds later he went back in and now we've got copycat cases coming on board as well can you take a minute and touch base on those yes so um as i had mentioned before there were actually already a couple of other cases in process when sitzer burnett went to trial and the verdict was rendered so there are a couple of cases in process but immediately following the verdict in sitzer burnett there were a couple of copycat lawsuits um that immediately were filed so i think there are about um as of a week ago seven cases um out there against um, the NAR has been a defendant in most of the cases. Um, and then all of the large real estate brokerages have been pulled in and then some of the MLSs as well. Um, one 
differing case that's come about. Um, it's being called Batten 2, um, B-A-T-T-O-N. All these cases are, go by the name of one or more of the um, named class representatives. So Batten 2, because this was actually the second um, case that was filed um, relating to the issues at play, but that is actually a case where the plaintiffs are not home sellers, but rather they are home buyers in that particular case. Um, similar underlying rationale that this participation rule, cooperative compensation rule is a um, price fixing cons conspiracy, but the actual harm in the Batten II home buyer case is that um, you know the home buyers were um, essentially paid more for their properties because if the sellers are paying all of the realtor compensation um, to cover their costs, you know they're going to ask more higher uh, yeah. sales price. Um, so in the buyer cases, their harm was that they paid more for their homes. If they finance their homes, they have a larger mortgage as a result of paying um, for their homes. Um, and then also they might not have been shown homes that fit their parameters because their agent might've been filtering or were less inclined to show them a particular property if they did not want that amount of compensation, rather they were focused and pushing houses that were offering higher compensation. So that's kind of, so again, the same underlying rule that participation cooperative compensation rule and the allegation that this is a price fixing conspiracy is at play in all of these cases, including the home buyer case, Batten too. It's just a difference of what sort of harm they're alleging sellers. I paid more commission that I needed to, and I was paying it to my adversary and home buyers. I paid more for my home and you might not have shown me homes I would have wanted to see because you didn't like the amount of compensation you were getting as my agent in that particular case. So that's, that's kind of wild. And, and then the other thing that's so interesting is that, you know, if someone's listing the house on MLS and they've got all this stuff in place, you know, now there are people who will find their own home and maybe they don't want to pay that hefty of a commission to a buyer's agent, because in this day and age with technology, you know, maybe you can talk about that for a minute. We are seeing things where people are on the road discovering their own houses right now. <laughs> yeah, the days of um, agents kind of driving buyers from home to home um, are gone. You know, and not to, not to say that doesn't still occur, but um, you know, between Redfin and Zillow and a plethora of other. Um, websites, home buyers can just sit at their leisure and filter and, you know, narrow down and by location and different uh, ass or property details that they desire and so forth. They can kind of narrow down and identify essentially uh, one property or a handful of properties that they're interested in. And so they are doing a lot of the legwork on their own as far as finding properties um, so that's kind of gets into what the future might look like, uh, for buyer representation, um, and that buyers may, the, the market might move to where there is, um, kind of a la carte or unbundled or limited represent different names can be given to a menu of choices, um, where buyers can 
pick and choose what services they might want from an agent and there would be a fee associated with, with those services and you'd kind of put together a package of services that you'd want from an agent um, rather than just you know signing up and not truly understanding how they're getting paid or what they're getting paid, which is what buyers are alleging is, is the current situation. Um, there's also you know allegations that um, agents, so even, so not every state by law requires buyers, buyers agents to enter into a written agreement with buyers. Um, so buyer agency agreements are not commonplace nationwide. Um, but those states that do even have a buyer agency agreement, um, which spells out how the buyer agent would be paid, even in those circumstances, buyers were being led to believe that buyer agent services were free because of this whole participation cooperative compensation rule where the seller pays the total compensation, the listing broker shares half of that with, with the buyer's broker. Um, so buyers were kind of led to believe that those services were free. Um, and so depending on the outcome of these cases and rule changes, um, we might see a different model of how buyer's agents um, get engaged and paid and what services um, they get used for moving forward. So you're right, if buyers you know, have identified their own property and really just need help putting forms together to submit an offer, that might just be you know, a flat fee to, to do that. Um, if they want you know, an agent available at a walkthrough and so forth, there might be an, you know, additional cost. You kind of just, again, bundle and put together a package of services um, and, and, and pay that way. Um, it could be an option moving forward. So in essence, if somebody was a buyer, then in these buyer's cases, at least, they felt like, oh, it was free. But when you look at it, you're negotiating with the seller and the seller is factoring in well, I'm going to make this much after I pay the commissions to both sides and, 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 and here's what I'm going to net when it's all said and done. So, mm -hmm. you know, is it free? Not really. No. <laughs> so that's we're what we're going through. To check. Your settlement statement didn't have it on the buyer side. That the yes. yes. So question for you then, when you, when you look at this, the seller's case and the, you know, buyer's cases, when you're looking at all of these different cases, you know, what do you, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but just you know, for intellectual stimulation here, what do you think is most likely? Do you think that it will change the way the commission structure works for both sides? Do you think it may impact the buyer side? Do you think the two may be separated? If you had a crystal ball, <laughs> what what is your educated guess on where this could end up going? Um, so I think there's just definitely going to be more transparency states that don't already require written um, listing or buyer agency agreements will likely require those and require specific disclosures regarding compensation, how a compensation is negotiable, um, and how that works. So definitely more transparency and presumably, hopefully, therefore, better informed consumers as well. Um, so I think um, I th there's still a benefit um, to sellers offering compensation to buyers agents, buyers brokers. So I don't necessarily see that going away. And especially in the current market where we still are seeing high interest rates and low inventory. So the high per sales prices are holding. Buyers are spending every dollar they can scrap together to buy a property. So if we're now decoupling or separating the commissions 
and directly having that paid by the buyer. The buyer, unless you know some time elapses and the consumers, you know, are aware of how this is all going to work, there, you know, they're already saving up for maybe a down payment. But if now they have to save to pay their agent directly, so there's 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 going to be some issues there. So um, I don't think we will stop seeing sellers paying um, the buyer's agent commission um, due to that. Um, and kind of what plays into that as well is, um, and it's, there's going to be a lot of ripple effects. There's going to be changes all over potentially. Um, so lending requirements. So for a conventional loan, there's only so much that you can finance. Um, so loan to value ratio, you can only finance so much of the closing costs. So if you're buy, if I'm a buyer and my agent's fees are now part of my closing costs, either you know the 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 loan rules are going to have to change to allow me to finance that. Um, and that's a particular issue if you're a veteran because VA loan, there's just currently just a prohibition altogether that VA buyers are not permitted to pay compensation to real, or, uh, real estate licensees as part of the transaction. So there's issues with loans and, and being able to finance that. Um, so it won't be immediate where we get away from sellers paying the buyer's agent's compensation. Um, so it might just look different. So currently, again, it's actually paid by the listing broker. Although the seller's paying the total compensation, it's actually an agreement between the listing broker and the buyer broker for that total compensation to be split and paid by the listing broker to the buyer broker. Um, so that might still continue. So that will have to be a very transparent, well-disclosed conversation between a listing broker and a seller that look, you know, buyers are going to be hard pressed to be able to pay their agents. So it may still be in your best interest to offer a cooperating broker compensation. Or we might see where if there is no buyer broker compensation offered or a small amount that is less than what the buyer has agreed to pay their buyer broker, you might see the buyer requesting as part of their offer that the seller pay the, the, the buyer broker compensation mm. as a part of the actual terms of the sales contract. Um, that makes a ton of sense. And, and you know, it's really interesting, Danielle, because if we are in a day and age where people can go find the home, but for most people, this is the biggest purchase of their life. And having somebody who has experience and can give you advice is really valuable. So, yes. you know, if they just say it's a flat rate, fill out the form, then is there going to be that vested interest of an experienced real estate agent, you know, talking to you about other factors that would influence your decision when you're buying a home? Like what's the value compared to other houses in the community or in that marketplace? What the educational systems are like in that area? You know, whether they think there's going to be a whole list of problems that are going to come down the pipeline because of the way the home was cared for. So there are things that I think a trained eye can bring to the table. So what I'm fascinated about is, well, if you go to flat rate, they'll just kind of fill out the paperwork and out the door they go. So how do you make that balance and, and have them really take care of a client still get paid without the client feeling like, well, I found the place myself. There you have it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I'm, I don't know that I have an answer to that. I, I think there's definitely going to be, I mean, yeah, you're right. Especially a first time home buyer or someone who hasn't bought or sold property in, in quite a number of years, or they're buying or selling in a different jurisdiction and the, you know, everything's hyper local. So things are different there you know, they're not really going to know 
what services they do or don't want to be able to kind of go a la carte style or, you know, um, so, so it's hard to say. So you might not get away from the current amount of compensation being paid at the end of the day when we've kind of gone through this, uh, gone, gone down this road and tried these different models, you might end up getting back to it. And again, it might look different. It might not be the listing broker paying the buyer's broker through the MLS agreement. It might just be more, and this is standard in a commercial deal where the buyer and the seller negotiate the payment of the commissions to the, to the brokers in the transaction. So mm. that's probably what we'll get to. Um, so um, NAR, as well as local associations, they all put materials together to help agents explain what services they provide and the value they bring to the transaction. So agents are definitely going to need to um, kind of refresh themselves and, you know, get up to speed on how best to articulate that. Um, but I, so I don't know what the amount of commissions moving forward will be exactly. But I mean, if it turns out where people are kind of going low cost and then everyone's dissatisfied with their services and so forth, you're naturally going to see the, the market will bring that back up. So I don't know how long it'll take to get there. Um, but, but yeah, so I don't really have an answer on, on that. So yeah, I mean, look at, you know, for you and I, as lawyers, you know, we know that you can pay a lawyer a lot of different ways. You can have to, you know, put down a chunk of money in the beginning. You can pay the lawyer by the hour. In some cases, there's contingency where you don't pay the lawyer, but then you collect part of what, you know, you receive at the end of the case. There's a lot of different ways. So maybe we'll see a menu with real estate agents. You know, maybe there'll be choices. You know, I'm an experienced buyer, for example, and I want to come along and I just want you to do the forms and do the thing. And then you yeah. might have somebody else who's like, oh my gosh, I'm nervous. I don't know. I'm coming from another state. Where do I look? What do I do? So it'll be wild. I really appreciate you taking the time to break down for everybody, both the you know seller's case and the buyer's case and what's happening right now. And are there any other things that you want to add as we wrap up? No, I don't think so. I really think a lot of this is just coming down to the transparency and what understanding consumers have about their options. All of these different models we've talked about currently exist. And so, you know, depending on how sophisticated some, a party to a transaction is, they, they might know that, you know, they only need, you know, I only want to hire a listing broker to put my property in the MLS, but I'm otherwise a for sale by owner. You know, so it, there's a lot of variety there. All these models currently are out there. Um, there's just going to definitely be more transparency and understanding that everything's negotiable and what options consumers truly do have, as opposed to just having this kind of standard five to six percent gets paid in every transaction or yeah. most transactions and gets paid through the MLS in the way that it is. So that's all. Well, thank you, Danielle. I mean, it's billions of dollars that are on the table just on that first case. So you know, it'll be wild to see what unfolds, but we really appreciate your time and your expertise. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. Thanks. And uh, yeah, we, we will keep you all posted. We may have to have her come back in after the next one and, and fill us in on the buyer's outcome. But thank you, Danielle. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. We will be back uh, live next week. <laughs>